We are overflowing with wants. We want 2020 to come to an end. We want COVID to go away. We want the five or 25 pounds that we found during quarantine to go away. Uh, you may want your, your knee to get better, or your, your mom's cancer treatment to be over with, or your job to be a little less boring. My daughter wants a brand new phone. My son wants whatever his older sister has. My wife wants to be left alone. We are overwhelmed, overflowing with wants. This is nothing new. Wanting things is perhaps the oldest of things. Ever since we got what we wanted in the Garden of Eden, we've been wanting things to be made right. We've been wanting God to interact with us and to make all the wrongs right again, to make our homes filled with nothing but joy again, to heal our bodies again, to give moms the rest they deserve and want again. We're overwhelmed with wants. What do you want? What are you longing for? What's not right in your world that you're hoping will get fixed? Can you think of anything? Advent is the time of year where we, we bring to God our wants. It's the time of year where we prepare for Christmas, uh, which reminds me, um, you will not be getting a Christmas card from the Popovitzes this year. Not because we don't want to send a card, but really just because with everything that happened in 2020, it didn't seem right. I mean, 2020 was just a horrible year. In order to send a card to everybody that summed up the year perfectly, it would have to look like this. Eventually, it'll show. There we go. It'd have to look like this. It just says, the okayest Christmas ever. 2020 was a big mood. And nobody needs a card like that in their life. Advent is the time of year where we prepare our hearts for Christmas. It's not just where we prepare our homes and we prepare gifts. But the way people of faith prepare is by rummaging through their hearts and, and understanding what it is that they want and need this Jesus to fix as we look back on his first arriving at Christmas and we look forward to his second coming, we prepare by rummaging through our hearts and understanding all the things that are still unfinished, all the things that we need his promises, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his return to fix. And then we lift those things up to him. And once we've then done that work and discerned all the wants that we need him to make right, that we need him to answer, then the decorating of our houses and the wearing of ugly, ugly Christmas sweaters and the buying of gifts is not merely decoration, it becomes a declaration. A declaration of our belief that Jesus is the one who's going to answer and satisfy all of our wants and all of our longings. Advent is the time of the year we do that. Now, what's interesting about Christmas is that God the Father sends a Savior who's going to answer all of our wants and satisfy all of them, but this Jesus who appears doesn't appear in a way in which we would want. Uh, that's certainly true of him appearing, arriving uh, in the weakness of a baby, but even arriving as a baby, Jesus also arrives, ultimately, you could say, as a shepherd. He arrives as the fulfillment 
of the 23rd Psalm. Jesus goes out of his way to say, you know that poem that David wrote about a thousand years before I was born? That's who I've come to be. He makes it explicit. So once again, Psalm 23 verse 1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and what does he say? He says, I am the good, what? I'm the good shepherd. Now throughout this Advent study, we are going to look at the 23rd Psalm and how Jesus has been born to be our shepherd, savior, king. Now, in case it's not already clear, you know, Jesus wasn't literally a shepherd. It's an analogy. It's the most helpful analogy to help us understand what he would do for the world and our relationship to him. But Jesus wasn't literally a shepherd, no more than you or I are literally sheep. Now, the reason David latched on to this analogy, the reason the Holy Spirit inspired it in him, and the reason Jesus laid hold of it when he began his ministry is because people in the ancient world, they understood shepherds. They all knew shepherds. They saw shepherds. They got shepherds. They understood that, that when you used the word shepherd, you were talking about someone who was with the ones that he was sent to. The shepherd is with the sheep. The shepherd knows the names of the sheep. The shepherd is in the day-to-day -day and in the dirt with the sheep. The shepherd, if necessary, will do whatever it takes to save the sheep from the wolves. It's, a, it's an image, an analogy that's rich with meaning for people in the ancient world. And not so much for people who live today. You don't see a whole lot of shepherds here in Houston. What you see a lot of are Amazon delivery guys. That's what you see a lot of. Which, go with me, that could work too. Just think Jesus saying, I am the good UPS guy. And you, you are my primed package. It, it works. Like any good delivery man, he knows the name on the package. And he will see you safely home. Think about it, they do call Jesus the deliverer, I'm just saying. In the ancient world, however, shepherd rang deeply. It was not uncommon for kings in the ancient world to refer to themselves as shepherds of their people because their people understood what that meant. The king was saying, I want to walk closely with my people and I want them to know that I know their needs and I will be with them. What was unusual, however, was for a deity to be described as a shepherd. That did not happen, at least not until Jesus shows up and he's the son of God, God in flesh, and he says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is saying, everything that a shepherd does for his sheep, I will do for you. I will walk with you. I will care for you. I'll provide for you. I will lay down my life for you. I will be in the nitty gritty and the daily and the dirty with you. And what I want to do with the time I have left is just dive into what it means to have a savior who's a shepherd. What are some of the things that that guarantees for us? And the first is this. If you have Jesus, who is a savior, that's a shepherd, you shall not want for direction, for guidance, for leadership. You think about it, that's one of the primary things that a shepherd does. A shepherd guides the sheep. Now, there's usually a disconnect between how the shepherd guides and the way in which the sheep want to be guided. And the same is true today. You and I, when we say that we want God to lead us, we tend to think more in terms of Google Maps and less in terms of a shepherd. We want God to tell us turn by turn how to step into his will. Turn by turn, 
how to step into our awesomeness and a life that's worth living. And we want him to give us ratings on all the other side excursions that we could take. Should I take this job? Oh, no, it's only rated two stars. Do not recommend. But that's not how God guides and directs. Yet you do have a shepherd who will guide and direct you. Here's how a shepherd guides and directs. A shepherd lets the sheep wander. And as they wander, the shepherd speaks. Jesus guides you in that he lets you go and encourages you to go, run, live your life. Live your life, but, but listen for his voice. Because as you wander, he will speak. And the smart sheep knows not to wander too far from Jesus. Jesus in John chapter 10 puts it like this. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There are those who complain that they want God to guide their lives more clearly. They wish God would be more hands-on and telling them where to go, what to do, what job to take, what decision to make. And when people bring that complaint or that desire to me as their pastor, usually one of two things is happening in their life. They're not wandering at all, and they're waiting for God to speak first and make it safe for them, but that's not how it works. You must go and step wander and then he speaks he speaks as you head towards a valley that might be dangerous or up towards a hill that you might not be able to climb he speaks to guide you towards green pastures and still waters but you must wander you must go if you're waiting for him to make it safe before you step that's not how it works go and listen or you have people who have wandered so far from jesus they can't hear his voice anymore and they wonder where he is they haven't been here in a long time to hear from his word they have no connection to his people to be surrounded by his presence they're not praying at all to listen for his voice, and then they wonder why they're not getting any direction. Oftentimes when people say they want more direction, more guidance from God, it's because they're not stepping out at all and expecting God to make the first move, not how it works, or they've wandered so far they can't hear his voice. But you do have a shepherd who wants to guide you and lead you. Listen for his voice. And be willing to wander out into the life he's called you into. And trust that he will call your name. If you have a shepherd who is a savior, second thing that you can be sure of is that you will not want for nourishment. A shepherd makes sure that the deepest needs of the sheep are met. Now again, there's often a disconnect between what the shepherd thinks and what the sheep thinks. Uh, the sheep and shepherd are often on a different page about what their needs are, uh, which reminds me of the earliest days of my and Lisa's marriage. For the first year or 15, it seemed as though we were struggling to get on the same page about what the needs of us as a couple were in a marriage. We, we, we really grew up together. We've known each other since we were about 14, 15 years old, but we obviously grew up in different homes, and then we didn't live together before we were married, and so when we were first married, it was the first time really our, our whole lives were, were being attached together, and there was a lot of learning to do about what our needs were as a couple. For example, when we were first married, I was used to having dinner at 3.30 p.m. every day. That was when my dad got home from work, and that's when we ate as a family. And so, like, one of the first meals we were sitting down to eat together, it's like 4 o'clock, I'm starving, and I'm like, why are we not eating yet? And her response was, because we're not 90 years old. <laughs> and that got us to unearthing all these other disconnects around needs that we had. Like, like she thought we needed to clean all the things all the time. 
And that was news to me. And so she started asking me questions. She's like, Matt, how do you know whether or not your clothes are clean? And I'm like, well, I smell them like a normal person. And then she got even more inquisitive. How often do we need to clean the bedding? And I was like, that's a trick question. My mom cleans the bedding, so I don't know. (laughs) It took us a while for our needs to get aligned. And by that, I mean for all of my needs to change to hers. The sheep think that their need is often a thicket far from the fold, but it's not. The sheep think that they need to gorge all day in a particular area of grass, but they don't. The shepherd knows. Jesus, Jesus knows what you need. We think we need to get this job. We think our kids need to turn out just like this. We think we need to get healed of this particular pain. We think we need a particular resource to deal with this particular problem. We need, we need, we need, we need, we need, but Jesus knows better. And living by faith means that we believe that even though, even though our need that we articulate may not get answered in the way in which we want or desire, we still have a good shepherd who will lead us, who knows our deepest and truest needs, and he will lead us to still waters and green pastures. He will meet our needs. And just because you are going without something you think that you need, it doesn't mean that you are being deprived. No. You see, Jesus is more concerned with internal and eternal needs as a shepherd. You know, we're trying to fill our stomach with all the things the world says we need. Jesus is trying to shape our hearts, and those are two very different things. He's trying to help us be filled with grace and mercy and trust in his words. We think we need to succeed at some particular plan that we have, which which may be great on paper, but he's trying to get our hearts more deeply anchored into the peace that comes with his promises, and those aims are divergent at times. And what we have to trust is that even though my need may not be being met the way I want it to, we trust that Jesus is in the game of shaping hearts and minds and character. He, the good shepherd, like a good spouse, is realigning and refocusing our needs to the ones that will truly satisfy. You shall not want for nourishment. Third, with Jesus, the Savior, as your shepherd, you shall not want for safety. He he promises that he will make sure that you are safe from the things, or rather, should I say, the one thing that truly threatens your existence. This world is a dangerous place. And 2020 has reminded, that, reminded us of that more than perhaps anything else. Uh, in fact, a little side note, in my house, we were trying to think of, of what's, the, what's the ornament we need to capture 2020 for the Popovitz family. And we're, we're stuck between these two things. Maybe you can help us. Uh, one is just a dumpster fire ornament. Because 2020 has just been that for so many people. The other is a Christmas tree made out of toilet paper. That seems to sum up the experience for us. The world is a dangerous place. Jesus promises, however, to protect us from the wolves, rather, the wolf. The one great wolf that threatens his people, his sheep, is death. And he has already overcome it in his own death and resurrection. And he has promised that those who are part of his pen, who've been baptized into his kingdom, who hear his voice, who are marked as members of his fold, they need not fear death. In fact, his people for eternity will get to laugh at death. They may experience it, but they will not be overcome by it. 
Which is why Jesus is so bold as to say this. In John chapter 10, he says, I give them eternal life, my sheep that is, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Ain't nothing going to steal you from the shepherd who saved you. Hear me on that. Nothing. Now, that doesn't mean he won't let you be challenged and stretched and sometimes even scared. Jesus, knowing that you are safe from the biggest of threats, will then utilize the smaller ones to stretch you and change you and challenge you and mature you. Jesus is like the parent who's okay if his kid falls off the bike once or twice. There are two types of parents when it comes to teaching kids how to ride a bike. There's one who wants to protect them from ever falling, and then there's the one who's like, you know what, a little blood builds character. Jesus is kind of like that. Knowing that we are safe from the one thing that truly threatens us, he allows us to go through valleys of darkness and despair, knowing he's there with us, knowing that he will use all things for his glory and our good. And besides, isn't that what you want? I mean, think about the people in your life that you're thankful for, that you respect, who you feel have, have played a role in making you into the person that you are today. The people that you respect and cherish the most are not the ones who made it easy for you. No one ever said, you know what, my favorite coach was Coach Bob. Coach Bob never demanded anything of us. Coach Bob made it easy for us. There was never a challenge for us. No one has ever said that. You know who you're grateful for? The ones who let you sweat. The ones who let you walk through some stuff, put some things on your shoulder, yet all the while you knew they would never allow for a fatal failure. Because they were with you. That's the kind of shepherd Jesus is. You never have to want for safety. But it doesn't mean you'll be free from struggle. Now, if all this is true, it means that we're banking a lot on this Jesus as shepherd. We're going to trust him for guidance, listen to his voice. And we're going to trust him for nourishment, even though our needs might not get met the way in which we want. We're going to trust he's leading us towards good things that we ultimately need. And we're going to trust that, that he's going to keep us safe from the biggest of things like death. What makes Jesus so trustworthy? And I think this is where the, the kind of the power and complexity and beauty and glory of Christmas starts to come alive. What makes Jesus so trustworthy as a shepherd is because he's not only the shepherd, but he's also, go with me on this, he's also been a sheep. He's the only shepherd who knows what it's like to also be a sheep. See, Jesus is born not only to be the shepherd who leads us, but he's born to be the sacrificial sheep who saves us. Look at the scriptures. Look at this again. John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Isaiah chapter 7, this is written about 730 years before Jesus was ever born. This is looking forward to Jesus. He, the coming Savior, was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a what? Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. The Gospel of John chapter 1, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, knowing the role that Jesus would play, he refers to Jesus like this, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins 
of the world. He's both the shepherd who leads us and the sheep that dies to save us. He's both the shepherd who guides you, nourishes you, and protects you, and the sheep that lays down its life to serve as the atoning, forgiving sacrifice for you. He knows what it's like to be led, led to his own death. He knows what it's like to be sheared and killed. He knows what it's like to have his whole life taken from him for the good and the blessing and the benefit of others. He knows all of that. What makes Jesus worthy of following as a shepherd is that he knows what it's like to be a sheep led to slaughter And he was led there for you to cover over your sins and forgive you. And then he rose from it to show his power. You have to be led by somebody in this world. You have to give your heart to something in this world. Is there anybody else who could lead you, who could say that he's also been where you are, died your death, risen from your grave, and doesn't ask anything of you fully and completely that he has not experienced himself? There is no one. That's what makes Jesus worthy of our trust. And so the question for you and I as we enter into this Advent season is this. If Jesus is our shepherd savior who who guides us, feeds us, and protects us, who knows what it's like to be a sheep like us, will we let him lead us? Not just this season, but every other one. Here's what I know about myself. Even as a lifelong and now professional Christian, there are parts of my life that I try to keep from the leadership, the shepherding of Jesus. There are parts of my life where I say, you can shepherd this, you can nourish that, you can guide that, you can, you can have all of this in your pen, but this, this one thing, this thing is going to remain in my care. I'm the shepherd of this thing, not you. For some, it's, it's their job. I don't want Jesus to speak into that at all. For others, it's a particular relationship. I don't want Jesus to talk to me about my marriage at all. Uh, For others, it's how they handle their finances. No, that's my business, not yours, Jesus. For others, it's how they steward their sexuality, their dating life. They don't give any of that up to God. For others, it's the hurt from the past. They don't want God to speak into that at all. Some habit that they have today. They say, no, that's in my pen, not yours. I'm the shepherd of that. What do you try to keep in a private pen away from the shepherding power and leadership and love of Jesus? You know, Jesus says that we are protected from the ultimate danger of death, but he does talk about a thief. In John 10, he talks about a thief that comes to steal and destroy. And if you read the text, how does the thief come to destroy the sheep? Does the thief come and put the sheep in a bag and steal them away over his shoulder? No. The thief comes pretending to be a shepherd, telling the sheep what they want to hear, and then the sheep go willingly to their own demise. The thief is often a voice that says, you're the shepherd. You know better. It's not what he wants, it's what you want. I was having a conversation with a, with a friend of mine, a pastor, um, who over the course of the last year has made some really terrible choices, kind of blown his whole life up, lost just about everything, including his ministry. And we were on the phone and I was praying with him. 
And after the prayer, we were just talking about how, how he got to this place. And he said to me, he said, Matt, I, I, I shut down every other voice in my life. The voice of my friends, the voice of my wife, the voice of my fellow pastors, the voice of Jesus, and I, I left only one voice. My own. When you hear a voice that says, do what you want, indulge the urge, you're the shepherd of your own pen, that is the voice of the thief. And you better run. Run towards the true shepherd. The true shepherd who says this, I came may have, may, may have life and have it abundantly. Will you admit, will you confess that your whole life needs to be under the care and the leadership of Jesus? Your whole life life. And this season in so many ways is about receiving gifts, but what if as we start Advent, you began this season by giving a gift to your shepherd, King, by giving a gift of Jesus to Jesus that says, even this, even this part of my life, I want you to speak into. Even this part of my life, I want you to guide me, I want you to direct me, I want you to nourish me, I want you to protect me from myself. Even this, Jesus. Would you consider that? There are so many ways in which we can describe who Jesus is and what he does for us. There are words like Lord, Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer, but there is one word that has endured since the very beginning, even through today. It's the word Jesus himself uses to describe himself. There's an image scrawled in the catacombs of early Christians in Rome. It's an image that dates about to 200 AD. It's one of the few images in the catacombs where, where hundreds of early ancient Christians are buried, and it's the image, it's hard to make out, but it's the image of, of Jesus the Good Shepherd. If you look closely, you'll see Jesus has a sheep over his shoulders and then one at each side. He's carrying one and caring for the others. In the face of death, in the face of persecution, in the face of all kinds of loss and hardship, there was one image that gave followers of Jesus the most hope, and it was the image of Jesus as the good shepherd. You, my friends, because of Christmas, you have a Savior who is a shepherd. May you believe that more deeply and more fully this year than any other year before. May you know that there is a voice calling your name to guide you through whatever you're going through. May you know that even though there's a particular need that's not being met, you are still being nourished by the one who knows you best. And may you find peace in the fact that he is keeping you, you, he's keeping you safe. And may you trust him May you give to him that one thing. You know what it is. That one thing that you are so tempted to shepherd yourself. More next week. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've sent your son to not only be the sacrificial sheep, to cover over our sins, but to also be the shepherd who leads us and guides us. Give us a greater awareness in the week that's ahead of his leadership. Help us to listen for his voice and to not wander too far away from it. Help us to trust in moments of need and want that he's caring for us and help us to find peace in moments of fear. And Lord, protect us from ourselves that we might stay closely connected to our good shepherd. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.